the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for today's Reaching Your Heart. I have a hero who is dad is the name of today's broadcast. And you can find it online at ReachingYourHeart.com. I have a hero who is dad. We hope you enjoy today's message. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. As I open the Bible today, I ask for the mind of Christ in my heart. I ask to be humble because I'm not naturally that way. I can be arrogant. I can seek my own will and not listen to the voice of God. And I can think that what I feel as well, how God should move in this place. So Lord, we need Jesus to get across to the finish line, to move into your land, a promise. And Lord, you have said that if we love each other, all men would know that we are your disciples. And you've also said, Lord, that if we have unity, if we're one, that you'll give us the desires of our heart. So, Father, may we lift our hearts as one to you today as we open the Bible to look at a life and to understand the Scripture for Father's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God has so designed it in His providence. You know, providence is a huge thing. God's leading in our lives that every son and daughter who has a father should come to know his or her father as a hero. Now, some of you, you don't have a father, but you have God as your father or someone in your life who fills that position. God wants you to know your father or that father figure as a hero. In 2008, our church was part of a study tour to the ancient city of Patara, Turkey, which was the birthplace of St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, but it's also known as the sacred womb of democracy itself. The founding fathers of this country studied Patara and its legislative assembly to create a Senate and a House of Representatives after the example of these ancient Greeks who wanted a collaborative representative form of government. Near the gate of that ancient city on a hill in plain view, I noticed a sepulcher with writing on it. Now, I read Greek, and of course I'm drawn to these ancient Greek inscriptions. It was standing out there because whoever put it out there wanted it to be seen that the man who died who was placed inside that tomb was special. And so I went up there and I began to read the inscription. It was written in Greek. The script was recognizable in capital letters. One word was clear because that word has survived from the Greek language to the English language as the same word. And that word, I could make it out in Greek script, hero, hero. A hero had died. A hero had fought for that city. A hero had given his last legacy of effort, and they put it right there in his sepulcher, hero. You know, when the Twin Towers fell on September 11, 2001, how many of you were watching the television as all that stuff transpired? Wasn't that a huge transition in our thinking? 
We saw some pretty amazing firemen and policemen risk their lives and lose them to save people from the towering inferno fueled by hate. The same thing happened in London. Heroes stepped in to save lives. In fact, that burning tower in London, just like 9-11 all over again, it was like a picture reimposed on the mind. And shortly after it happened, there at 9-11, 2001, a secular artist and others gathered in New York City for a tribute to these fallen heroes. Mariah Carey's song, Hero, which had been recorded prior to that time, found a new anchor in the American experience. In fact, it became archetypical of what it means to remember 9-11. A nation was mourning, and she sang that song, and it captured the feeling of the American psyche. I want to share just a few words from the lyrics. She sang, there's a hero if you look inside your heart. You don't have to be afraid of what you are. There's an answer. If you reach into your soul and the sorrow that you know will melt away. And then the most famous line, and then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And you cast your fears aside and you know you can survive. Now, many years ago, a hero came into my life and many of your lives here. And his name was Dr. John Butler. Was a hero. I had been beaten down by all kinds of people. And some of you had been too. And I was trying to do my best to pick myself up and to live for Christ. And you know, when you're down, you can discover something in yourself. I discovered that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. My efforts weren't good enough for people who wanted me to stay down. And when I had poured it all out on the altar of effort and personal sacrifice and emotional currency for Christ in my own way, I was used up and spent. I was lost. I was moving away from Christ. I was drifting because of sorrow. And then a hero came along. His name was Dr. John Butler. Friend, when you're used up in life, that's when the wolves move in to cut you down, finish you off. Am I right? Am I right? That's what happens. I was down and the wolves were all around me and then a hero came along. A man of courage who was true to duty, who loved the Adventist message and the Word of God, true to principle. The principle of God's Word is the needle to the pole. He didn't err to the right or to the left. He wasn't a fanatic in any direction. He had the right center of what it meant to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian who loves Jesus, His Bible, and the people of God. A man who was not afraid to face evil men down, be it outside the church or in it, and stand for Jesus and for a broken pastor who was broken down. It's not always that a hero comes along in life, but when one does, your life can be changed so that it's a different kind of life after you meet him. Every child that has a father needs to know that in some meaningful and deep way, their father is a hero. He's a hero. I'm having a hard time today work with me. That's how God has designed it. Now, I grew up without a father. Many of you know that. I only had one for a little brief snippet of time. At the age of 15, for two months, I had a father. Then he died. God miraculously brought me to him, but my dad never did for me what other mentors who have been like fathers have done for me. I moved on and became a father without him. And when the wolves moved in, about 20 years ago, there was a special man for me and a special father figure. Not my father. A father figure 
who became a patriarch to us all at Reaching Hearts International, who stood in the gap as a patriarchal shepherd of God's people moving toward a future we couldn't see but he could envision. We'll be moving into our church soon. And there is a man who saw it all 17 years ago. It was Dr. John Butler, and he lived for it. He threw his retirement away in many ways to make sure we didn't fail here. When he saw us erring along the way, he had that gentle way of just pulling us together and calling us to what really matters, our vision, our purpose, God's calling, the message. And he did it with a smile and a poem very often. He'd write a poem, and boy, the ship was redirected. A hero came along with the strength to carry on. He pointed us to Jesus by example more than word. And he led the way until it was time for others to lead in his place. He knew when to step down. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ, Dr. John Butler is the one man chosen by Christ who founded the Reaching Hearts Church. And he is the patriarch of this church who beat the wolves back to see it happen and see people saved. I have to say that today. Many of you don't know that we've lost a hero. He died Tuesday. In the Bible, there was another man who beat the wolves back to see it happen, and his name was King David. David was a hero in Israel. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel as a boy who would become king over all Israel. I mean, he started his journey early in life. His brothers laughed at the whole idea of a boy who would be king. They probably were jealous of the fact that Samuel anointed him. David was tested while he was young. You see, he began to experiment with music and the things of God when he was young. He would later lead the whole people of God as the great singer of Israel. And he met a giant on the field of battle with five smooth stones and a sling. And why did he pick five stones? Because one was for Goliath of Gath. And Goliath had four brothers. And he was that day not just going to take out Goliath. He was going to take out all five of those giants. He only needed one stone for each because God would help him hit the mark every time. David had a lion's heart, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And David stood up to the giant and he took him down on a day when King Saul, who was head and shoulders above every man in Israel, was hiding in his tent, afraid to fight the giant, the only giant in Israel. A hero came along that day, a small boy, a young teenager with a sling and courage and faith who trusted in God. The giant was slain by a boy who became a king. David's life was a hard life after that. He spent most of his early years, his best years, running from King Saul, who was jealous of him. But in time, David became a king. You know, Steve Green has a song, Hidden Valleys. It's old now. Hidden Valleys, he says, you know, a shepherd boy can become a king. And when he became king, David defeated all of God's enemies, and he was decisively established by God's power as one of the great men of the earth. David had his ups and downs, but God worked with him. You know, friend, if you have your ups and downs, God will work with you too. You ever feel like God doesn't work with you? Come on, do you? If you're honest, you'll say yes. He does. I have a friend in my family who's going through a rehab program, just finished, got out of a rehab program. And I had a choice to make. I could either browbeat him because he'd messed up and got hooked on painkillers, Or I could be what I needed to be, a brother for him. God would rather work with us and grow us than lose us. And he worked with David. David didn't start out perfect. He got to be the man he was by a road of ups and downs at times, mainly up, but he had his downs. You know, he messed up with another man's wife, which was a huge down. 
But he repented of his error. He wrote the most precious psalm of repentance in the Bible, Psalms 51. He struggled with that problem. And there are men of God who have struggled with that problem. He struggled with his son Absalom. He didn't get it right in the nurture thing. His son died trying to kill him. Huge loss in his life. But he didn't give up on God. He grew in God. And the songs shifted and changed as the seasons of his life changed. And in time, the intrigue of kingship in his later years came to a crisis point among King David's children. And David abdicated the throne in humility so that Solomon, his young son, could become king to end the crisis. He knew when to step down as a leader. The man who was anointed king over all Israel stepped down so his son can rule. He had a dream that carried him all his life. And all his life, he fought for it all the way into his old age. He wanted to build a house for God that was beautiful. He wanted it to be the best house in the entire world that would point men and women and children to God. And the nations could come and find God there. A place where God could be found, where the scriptures could be taught, where God's name, God's law, which is the same thing, could be housed there. It would be a place where the character of God would be revealed to the world. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Samuel 7, verse 1. Because here's where the journey starts, where the story is told of a hero who had a dream to plant a house for God. Verse 1, now, when the king dwelt in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies round about, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Now, in 2 Samuel 6, 2, the ark of God was called by the name of the Lord. The Bible is very clear that when you honor God's name, you honor his law because God's name, God's law, same thing. So when God's name was placed in that ark, because it was called by the name of the Lord, it meant God's character, God's law, God's nature, who God is was there. And so that ark carried it, and it was placed in a tent all those years. For centuries, God had camped out in a tent on the move with his people, often on the move too. He was a mobile God. But in time, they built houses in the promised land. They settled down, and he kept on living in a tent. Friends, we worship a humble God who does not require some great edifice to be in our midst. Verse 3, And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now he was speaking for God from his feelings, but not from divine revelation. He spoke too quickly here, and God had to straighten him out. And so the prophet Nathan got a corrective. You know, Nathan was a humble man. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm in position of leadership. I don't want to correct myself. I don't want to say anything like I was wrong. You know, Dr. Butler would come to me on more than one occasion. He would slap me on the hand. And it was, Pastor Mike, not good. And he would correct me. I am so grateful for those corrections. One day he set me down in his home and he corrected me on some huge blind spot in my life. And I began to get whiny at first and not take it. And then his voice didn't go up. It went down, softened. And he kept going at it until I said, you're right. And I softened up. That's wisdom. And I'm forever grateful for that. There are times when leaders have to be corrected, and I'm no exception here. And a hero can come along and do it. But, you know, in this case, Nathan had to be corrected by God. Verse 4, but that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? Friends, God started with a question leveled directly at David here, which would later be delivered. David, is that what you really want? David, do you want to build me a house? Well, let me tell you something here. And look at verse 6. God said, 
I have not dwelt in a house since the day I was brought up by the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, that I have been moving about a tent for my dwelling. What he's saying is, you know, David, I'm a pup tent kind of God. I'm a camping out kind of God. I don't need to have something beautiful and expensive, arrogant and gaudy. I'm happy to live in my tent. I'm a camping out kind of God. Verse 7, he says, In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? And he's saying, I've never asked you to build me anything. I don't have to be housed in a great temple like the false gods of the heathen lands. Nope. A pup tent kind of God, that's good enough for me. But David, it's not good enough for you, is it? You really have it in your heart to build a house for me. Verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and I will plant them that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. David, you are a hero. I'm going to finish the job for you in you for others. When I'm done with you, David, you will no more have enemies to get at you or to go at your flock or the shepherd Israel. I'm going to bring peace as the outcome of your struggles. And when I'm done with you, David, the wolves will be done and a new day will dawn for God's people in a land where good things can go on that far surpass what you knew in your struggle. When Dr. Butler led this church in its early days, we camped out in a tent. How many of you were part of that camping out in the tent experiment? We had to do that because we didn't have a lease. He led us into a tent and he held us together in that tent As I was recovering from memory loss and emotional stuff, and I was preaching the most awful sermons I think I've ever preached in my life, and he would say amen to every one of them. It just amazes me. We camped out in a tent for a church building. And Dr. Butler was a hero in those days to me with a smile on his face. You know, he came to me one day and says, Pastor Mike, you need to be a little bit more like Joel Olstein. Not in what he's teaching, but in how he smiles. Because, you know, I get this serious look half the time. I still struggle with that. You're going to have to be easy on me. But he led us with that brilliant smile like sheep through trouble. And he took care of the wolves with his literary ability. He'd write a letter and the wolves would stay away. And with him in those years, those were the best days of my life. No doubt about it. God got more direct with David. Verse 11. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from your enemies. Look what he says next. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. David wanted to build a house for God. And God said, I'm going to build a house for you. David, you have had it in your heart all these years to build a house for me. You're not going to see it finished. You will never see the temple built in your life, but I'm going to build a house for you that you can see before you die, and that house will last far longer than that temple that will be built. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father 
And he shall be my son when he commits iniquity. I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from Saul, who I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. When David heard the message from Nathan the prophet, he understood the deeper wisdom of God in life. Dr. Butler knew that he didn't have long to live. He lived to be 94, am I correct? I need correction. 95. I've been saying 94. 95. He came to church here just a few weeks ago, and he was struggling to pull it off every week. You know, he was here until he couldn't come. Many of you don't know that we almost lost him a number of months ago, but God lent him to us for a little longer. I was told this week that Dr. Butler wanted his funeral to be in the new church. Is that right? Someone told that to me. We went over there a few weeks ago. I remember we broke up here. We left here. And somebody said, why are you bringing such chaos to worship service? And we made the announcement, we're leaving the new church. We finished worship over there. Here's why. Because I'm telling you, it wasn't so much for you. It was for Dr. Butler. I wanted him to be there. I wanted him to see it. I didn't want to take the risk that he would not make it. And he didn't. So we went over a few weeks ago and we had the service there because I wanted him to see it and we wanted him to see it and we wanted to see too. He saw a little bit of it, but he didn't see it all. We were in that foyer together and someone had to pray and Dr. Butler prayed. How many of you remember the prayer? Right there in the foyer. And he started praying. He got a little circular. You know, he was, I think, stressed out and tired and so he would repeat a little bit. But you know, that prayer could have gone on for eternity in its beauty. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Grateful for that prayer. Time didn't matter because we lost a sense of it that day. When David's time came for him to die, his thoughts and affections went out to his son Solomon. Solomon in Hebrew means peace. God had promised David peace from all his enemies, and David named his son Solomon after peace. His reign would not be one of war like David's was, but one of peace. All the benefits of his life struggle would position his son that would follow him to build the house that David never could. David was given direction by God how to build it. David was directed by God to raise money and resources. He helped, but he did not build it. That calling was for Solomon. Fathers, I speak to you directly today. God has called you to be heroes for your children as men of God. And he has called on you to fight the battles that will smooth the path for your children so that they can go further than you can because of your righteous legacy that you have left them. He has designed it so that in his providence, your children should go much further than you have dreamed and that they might accomplish much more than you have envisioned by his power. Being a father is not about you. Being a father means being a hero who cares about others. Dr. Butler was that kind of hero in this church for many of us, a patriarch of faith who gave everything to make it so, a tree of righteousness. He was manhandled by so-called religious people at one point when he was standing for the weak and the broken because he wanted to save my life and others from the wolves. He saved this congregation and the relationship here. And some of those wolves became some of God's sheep because he was kind and meek in how he did it. Dr. Butler was a man after God's own heart like King David who put his money, except I think it was greater than King David in this sense. David messed up. I have never seen Dr. Butler mess up. I've never seen him speak evil of anyone. 
his adversaries, he'd find something good to say in a way that, you know, if he had to deal with it, he had the mind of Christ. His presence, his effort, his very life was put on the line for this congregation. And he did not demonize where he came from to build what would become before him. He was a Christian man. The very first week I met with the group that left with Dr. Butler after a year of being away, he spoke freely of a new church, a new Adventist church that he would build and that we would build together for the future glory of God. I imagine he told God, just like David did, I want to build a house for you. And in time, God said, no, I'm going to build a house for you. We are all this day the house that God has built. We have not yet stepped into the building, but we are the house that he envisioned. Dr. Butler was slow to understand this, but I think he finally got it. David drew Solomon to his side and he blessed him, admonished him how to be a king. Friend, it takes a king to teach a prince how to become a king and live like one. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts, and you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Do you have any deep, unmet needs? Do you try to meet those needs through success, achievement, pleasure, or material possession? Do you find that you still lack the peace and satisfaction that you so deeply desire? If so, we have a book titled Satisfaction, How God Can Meet Your Deepest Needs. It will encourage you and help you understand that satisfaction is not found in a material or worldly achievement, but in a personal, loving relationship with the person Christ Jesus. Please call 888-244-HOPE, and for a donation of any amount, we'll send you the book Satisfied, How God Can Meet Your Deepest Needs. Please call anytime, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. And we pray that you will be encouraged, uplifted, and fully satisfied as you grow spiritually in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to learn more, go to reachingyourheart.com on the Internet. That's reachingyourheart.com or give us a call at 888-244-HOPE. We appreciate your support and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.